Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. Hope you had a great weekend, period. Thanks for joining us. As always, I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in-house on Twitter. It's at Cameron Show. By the way, if you're listening on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, very much appreciated. If you're watching on War Chant TV, make sure you like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. Yes! And away we go. Uh, before we get started in the nuts and bolts of the MIMS situation, let me uh, thank everybody who was involved with the Jeff Cameron Show War Chant Invitational. Man, what a raging success. I want to thank you, Tom, publicly. I know I've said it at the golf course, but it's, it's worth noting your hard work is uh, one of the many reasons that this uh, worked out so well and uh, we were able to to do such a good job at this tournament in terms of uh, raising money for the charity. That's what it's about. So uh, I'm so, and every other aspect too, but the most important element went off and without a hitch and everybody had a blast uh, and just heard nothing but great things uh, from our participants and our sponsors and from the charity themselves, the Second Harvest. So uh, thank you, good sir. Thanks for your hard work. Thanks to Alicia. Thanks to uh, the fine folks here at Warchan and 93.3. And thanks to all of our sponsors uh, who contributed greatly to the success of this tournament as well. So uh, I wanted to get all the thank yous out there. I wanted to make sure I led with that uh, because I'm forever grateful. We had a blast. And um, you know what? Thanks to Capital City Country Club for hosting it as well. That was uh, – we could not have had – uh, a better uh, set of circumstances in terms of uh, the weather. Obviously, it was sold out for weeks on end, but the the turnout, the contributions, the participation, uh, people gobbled up their mulligans and participated in all the different things we had on site in order to raise more money for the charity, and that's awesome. So, thank you. Yeah, as I said on Friday, um, you know, from the bottom of my heart, the, the heart of the community here is really strong. It has been. I mean, you know, we see it every Christmas time with the bowling tournament. But um, it's just something we haven't been able to do in some time, the golf tournament, to run one. And uh, Alicia was a rock star running yeah. ops the whole day. But uh, to all the people who participated, as sponsors and as players, some both, thank you. Thank you. You made a huge difference on Friday, and we can't thank you enough. Yeah. No, it's huge. Uh, all right. So let's get to the to the the big story. Looks like Mims, the five-star tackle from Georgia, who was reported by Ira Chaffel of Warchant.com to be headed Tallahassee's way to Florida State, is now taking his name out of the portal, and it looks like will remain at Georgia. So he's not on his way anywhere. He's staying where he was and not coming to Florida State. That's the way it looks as of right now. I think that's official, right? His name is no longer in the portal, so it would appear that it's moving in that direction. Uh, Ira is going to be joining us at 2.30. I reached out to him, and I wanted to make sure he had a chance to speak uh, since he authored the story, and we ran with it, obviously, uh, and, and he'll have an opportunity to talk about it at 2.30, and I'll ask him questions uh, about where we're at and how we arrived at this place. Now, I have a general observation with this. Um, and, and that is that, uh, okay, so he never made the visit down to Miami, never got over to Florida. He came here. So let's go timeline of events. He puts his name in the transfer portal. All right, that's a, that's a fact. We know that happened. From the time his name goes into the portal, obviously the thought, given Florida State circumstances on the offensive line, there's a kid you got to bring in. Hopefully you can get him. Not only does Florida State reach out, 
We established, of course, in the world of recruiting that he and Coach Atkins have a great relationship. We knew that from the first go-around when he was coming out of high school as a five-star recruit. And he was close to signing with Florida State then. Obviously, Florida State didn't have enough going on on the field in terms of successes. uh, And that coaching staff obviously hadn't established themselves yet. So he signs with Georgia, which if you're a five-star kid, who can blame anybody right now signing with Georgia? They win the national championship. He's unhappy for whatever reason, uh, that reason being that it looks like he's not going to start for them, uh, wants time at tackle and not guard where he's maybe projected to play if he does play at Georgia. So Florida State seems the logical fit. Looks like he's going to come here. One of the reasons that we think that, obviously, is that he was here. He arrived here, video of him being here, meeting with the coaches, hanging out. So you put your name in the portal, then you come to Tallahassee. You don't go to other schools, you come to Tallahassee. So at that point, everything checks out. Everything checks out that dissatisfied at Georgia, hence transfer portal entry. Rumored to be interested in Florida State, rumored confirmed when he arrives in Tallahassee. He's not here for the hell of it. So he's here speaking with the coaches. Report comes out from our own Irish Chappelle on Warchant.com that he is signing. I think that may be a mistake in verbiage. I think that's the wrong choice of words because this is not a high school signing. In high school, you sign with a team, you sign a letter of intent, right? I think you would probably be wise to use, in my opinion, intends to enroll would probably be a better choice of phrase, if you would, because if he doesn't come, and it doesn't look like he is, despite every indicator that he was and despite Iris sources telling him that, in fact, he intends to come to Florida State, if he doesn't, you're protected if you say intends to enroll as opposed to signs. And as it is now, I think that was a mistake. And I think Ira will come on the air and and tell us what he thinks about that. I know that Ira has been a trustworthy and outstanding reporter for years and years and years. I don't think he'll hide from it. He does have to obviously address it. Uh, So he'll join us at 2.30 to address the situation. My observation from afar is that um, whatever occurred, and certainly there was, we now know, the reports of a, of a tragic incident in which his old teammate and friend has passed away in a, in a single-car accident, as I understand it. That's a horrible, horrible thing to read in a horrible set of circumstances. But I think it may have f- affected the direction that this was going. I don't know that. That's my opinion. Certainly, I think I could connect the dots there. Um, and, he, and he went home to attend to that situation, as one would. Um, and, and now it looks like maybe, maybe that's one of, if not the reason that this changed directions, but, uh, I'll have to ask Ira that. I don't know what he can share and what he can't share. Yeah. What I'd say from our perspective last week is if Ira is satisfied through the, the principles that he has that are pretty strict because he adheres to the journalistic code about as well, if not better than anybody in this region, let alone the Tallahassee. Sure. Area. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's been established for a long, if, long time. If it's sta- if you know, his process is satisfied then we move forward because that's what he's going to take to the public and report, and we advance the discussion from there. And we talk about what is Mims going to be on this offensive line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'll do it again next time. If he has a report that satisfies his parameters and his rules, and he's going to report it to the public that another kid's coming or whatever it is, whatever the story well, is, yeah. then we move forward with that conversation. But so, I want to I address something here. Um, I want to I address something here that I think is important. So on Thursday, too, when we talked about this, and, and I, you know, this is a, I've talked about this quite a bit 
to varying degrees, whether that's you or me or Florida State fans, alumni, boosters, supporters of any kind. I said after the Travis Hunter thing that we would never again trust that a player is going to do as they say, okay? I'm just never, me personally, after we saw that go down, I I addressed this and said, and I I did it on signing day, if you recall. You will not convince, cannot convince, and I understand this, by the way, Florida State fans, especially if that thing is something that could be uh, the, re- the result of the, the commitment or the intention, whatever you want to call it these days. If it's a seismic shift in good fortune for Florida State, as in they're finally getting the caliber of player that they, we were accustomed to having for years, nobody's ever going to trust that again. Because what happened on signing day signaled a change in the world of recruiting forever. I believe that is applicable to all situations involving players everywhere now. I don't know that you're ever going, short of seeing that player having enrolled and be here, I don't know that anybody anywhere is ever going to be able to report again, and this could be a lesson learned, that a player has committed or has, I don't think you can. I don't, because we now know things change. Well, I think that, you know, we know a lot of people who have done this for a long time. You know, it, yeah, not yeah. just covering the team, but recruiting. And the world used to be I, I shaky it. enough. Yeah, that, I don't do it. Uh, there was a different network I worked, uh, worked for a little time ago, and I was there for junior days, and my eyes were open. I was thinking, oh, my God. In a way, that's kind of cleaned up now with the transparency of NIL uh, versus you know, wink, wink, nod, nod when there were handlers coming to uh, mm-hmm. a Jimbo Fisher junior day or, or whoever. It didn't have to be Tallahassee, but that was the job that I saw. Yeah. And the atmosphere that I took in on the IM fields where I'm going, oh, man, this is this is some shaky stuff. But you had to have sources from, you know, concrete places, three concrete places. The outgoing coaching staff, meaning the high school that the right. kid was coming from. Right, right. The family clo- or close circle. Sometimes it's an uncle. Sometimes it's mom. Sometimes it's whoever. Family is the second group of sources. Sometimes it's the player himself. And then the coaching staff of the school that you think that they're going to go to. Right? So you've got sources that are from high school, the family, and Florida State. Now you have a fourth level of sourcing that's important when you cover this particular topic, and yeah. that is NIL groups. Yeah, but here's the problem, and I agree and with And you've got to make sense of all of it, but the point is you've got to make sense of all of it. Yeah, no, and I think, by the way, there was a mistake made here, without question. And I, I, I mean, I don't want to put words in Ira's mouth. I'm going to let him talk for himself at 2.30. But I do think, yes, you're right, there's another group now that you have to right. that use as a source, but I, none, of this, none of this is at a place now where you're ever going to feel secure until the kid is on campus, until he's here and en- enrolled in school. And class. In yes, class. In class. Like, you're never going to. Yeah, not not even never, on the ground. You're never going yeah, to. You're never yeah. going to. Uh, you know, I, I, I will say this. I think had that young man gone and, and I'm just, giving you my thoughts from from a distance here. As this report came out, we were all excited, rightfully so. Again, I'll stand by Ira. His reporting, the job itself, I never have a question about. So when he reported it, produced the story, we began to discuss moving forward as if that was going to happen. And I I don't regret that. But 
I, I, I said then, and I'll say here again, if Florida State in particular, <laughs> we, we have had a rough go for some time now, whether it's a kid like Travis Hunter, this situation, any number of others. I mean, can I use Winston Wright, for example? I mean, goodness gracious, really? The one plug-and-play receiver that you got in the portal that had proven it at the Power 5 level? Gets hurt in a in a car accident. That's just. I mean, I'm glad he's okay. Thank goodness he's okay. It matters a lot more than football. But just obviously, we're talking about football here. I mean, really, <laughs> it's been a run for the ages. Well, so you talk about on the edge at all times and angry. That's all of us. And that's where I get you know being. We're in such a weird spot too, just because we are media types, but we're also. And old grads, and we're we're not afraid of, of talking about it that way. You know, it's like oh yeah, about Florida State. There, there's well, in terms of like journalism, like if you if you were to cover the team and your job was a beat reporter specifically, mm-hmm. you can't be wearing. F- I, I can't be wearing this, right? You know but what we I mean? Don't do that, yeah. Right. So, yeah. as a fan, I can also understand where I mean, you have a wacky, trailblazing situation with Hunter on signing day in December, and then you've got a really wacky and tragic situation. You know, um, at least. Partially, well, it looks like it, yeah. You know, by by extension, yeah. with with this particular Mims development, and they're both like you know bat bleep, you know, like they're just crazy, and it's bizarre. But the bottom line, but the same. as a fan, you're bo- like, I don't want to hear it. I don't care. It, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, no, but because the bottom line is the player and didn't I, come. And the I get bottom that. line is the player did not come. And I get that yeah. from the fans. Like I I understand you. If you're like, I don't care. I don't care how crazy or, or unforeseen it could be. I don't care. Sure, I hear that. You know, like. I don't share that necessarily because I know some of the stuff behind the scenes, but yeah. I hear the frustration because I, does it have to be us that weird stuff, unprecedented stuff happens to? Well, I, I don't think it will so be. I, hear you I, I don't think it'll be unprecedented for long. I, I think that uh, it, it's a crazy time uh, in terms of navigating NIL and an added group of sources that can come into the picture now. I mean, I, I those rules that were. You know, trying to adhere to or follow—that's changing at all times. So, it's almost like you—you're just better off not. You're just better off till you see the kid walk out onto the field that first day. On the field, yeah, yeah. on the field, like you see him walk <laughs> like in out. a game. Yeah, yeah, not a practice. Not even, not even like. <laughs> let's just like harken back to the Travis Hunters deal. Like, let's say he signs and he holds up the hat, and we're all celebrating. I'm not going to feel comfortable with that. <laughs> but, but but he did. He signed. Jeff, he's holding up the jersey. I don't believe it. I'm not going to feel good about this. I need to see him walk his ass out there. Show me that he's in whatever class. Yeah, National Signing Day coverage next year brought to you by ABC. You know, your coverage will be, I'm going into no, the no, ABC. No, I'm telling you. That's I'm, where I'm going. I'm going in. That's great. I hear what you're saying. I hear that the fax is here. I don't care. I'm going in. I'm just getting a refill. You let me know when it gets to the next fall. So I think, well, you know what's weird here too is, and there this is unavoidable, and I and I and I get this too. So that story comes out, Iris' story comes out that Mims is is coming to Florida State. Well, in this hypothetical, whether let, let's say let's say I reported that, let's say I did it before Ira, say I beat him to it, even though we worked for Warchant and, and I work for 93.3.2 and whatever. But let's just say I did that. Let's say I came on the air and went, all right, this is, this is the deal, okay? If it doesn't happen for whatever reason, it doesn't matter the sourcing, it doesn't matter how good I feel about it, doesn't ma- if it doesn't happen, you're going to have egg on your face, you're going to be made to look bad without question. 
people will speculate, understandably, as to the reason the report was initiated to begin with. And more often than not, because I do this anytime that I see a report and then something other than the facts of that report play out. So uh, it could be about a person, could be about a policy, could be it could be anything, right? I immediately do assume, and I think a lot of our readers and a lot of our listeners right now or viewers are automatically assuming this. And I and I get it. I assume that the mistake was that somebody was rushing because they wanted to beat somebody else. I don't believe that happened here. I don't believe that there was any inherent value in beating somebody to this. It was the overwhelming evidence and sourcing that led him to write that story. Yeah, at that point, you're obligated. Yes. Okay. It wasn't like, oh, I need... Warchain doesn't have to beat anybody. They don't. So... I don't think it's that, but that's not to say mistakes weren't made, and that's not to say that this isn't maddening. So I'll tell you, the first time I learned that lesson it was, I forget the, the class, but it's about 10, 12 years ago, and I was producing an interview that you were doing with uh, Coach Fisher, and this was, I forget why, but it wasn't during the season. It was like in, must have been January? It was just before National Signing Day, and I was producing the interview, and you guys had chatter beforehand, and then you talked on the record. Mm-hmm. And do you remember Tony Stewart, the linebacker? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe somebody on that call, not you, said, he's coming here. And I remember working at a different network at the time, and whatever, recruiting predictions from a dude who does, you know, string work. Right, it's not, right, right, it's right, not right. the BLN, but I remember saying, I, I feel as confident as I possibly could that the kid is, is going to come to Tallahassee. And then the next day... It looks like, you know, they're at a funeral. Everybody involved in that Tony Stewart ceremony as he's announcing Clemson. And Jimbo motioned something in the room because we got to go into the war room. Yes. He was not pleased, but he was hinting that maybe something had happened. And that changed Tony yeah. Stewart's mind. Yeah. But that was the first time I learned, oh, man. So the head coach of the university can be certain. Oh, I kid, think coaches often are. And it, so much so he's willing to share it to a media type. Yes. Not a recruit, Nick. Yeah. Like a, a media type. Yeah. Because you don't, you know, you have ifollowthekitties.com. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. And yet that could still be dead wrong on signing day. I, I never liked Woo! I never liked the world. I don't that like was, that That world. was the chill in my spine. And that was uh, whatever that was, 10 I, years I, ago, 12 I, years I wanna, ago. I want to, yeah, and I know why you told that story. But let me just say that I don't think anything nefarious happened here whatsoever. I, I think that ultimately, obviously, the results are the results. He got it wrong. I got it wrong. Okay, so now that why he reported it the way he did, I trust that process. I believe in him as a journalist. I think he trusted that what he had was something he was obligated to go forward with. Fine. I believe that happened. I believe that fans worried that uh, that it was he was too quick to do it and that, that it could screw up the, uh, for lack of a better term, recruitment of Mims. Uh, I don't think it did. I think it had nothing to do with nothing. My personal opinion is I don't think it had anything to do with that. Uh, I know... I know we, this is what we do know. He entered the transfer portal for a reason, and he visited Tallahassee for a reason. I don't believe that that reason was to play Florida State to get something out of Georgia. No. I think a tragic set of circumstances happened and unfortunately changed the direction of his thought process. And there's no way to know 100% for certain how much percentage of this, this, or this, really, you know, as it relates to his decision is is quantifiable like hey this is this much or it's all this or that i don't know that i don't know him and i doubt we're going to have that conversation with him so i don't know but all of that can be simultaneously true 
And I also know that all adds up to be a bad look for War Chant, and, and it's, a, it's a bad result for Florida State. It's unfortunate. I mean, it's ugly. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, back to your point about us being Knowles, <laughs> it's another kid. It's another guy that, and again, if in fact the reasons are that involve a personal tragedy that matter much more than football, then I'm not trying to be callous. I'm not trying to be crass. Uh, that's a very big deal, and I, I get all that. As it relates to football, though, it is another guy that we got our hopes up for, and it didn't happen. I'm never going down that road again. I, the kid, that's what they all say. The, the kid could call me personally and say, I'm coming. Jeff, I'm outside your front door. I want you to drive me over to the university. I want you to walk me in. I want to take a picture with you as I sign the documents. I want to put on the uniform and run out there and begin practicing tomorrow. I can't wait. I'm that kind of locked in. Now, besides me asking why he's at my front door and how did he find my address, I would say, hmm, I don't know. This sounds a little bit like a uh, catfish. I'm not buying it. <laughs> I won't believe ever again. And I think that's a lot of the people out there right now. They won't. Well, for the foreseeable future, until fortunes change. Chef Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply you know tom it occurs to me now, as I just shocked myself. <laughs> um, still need a tackle. We got to get back in that transfer portal and start combing, start combing the mines here to find a kid. Are you prepared to say something? No, oh, okay. I, I may need to do uh, some of the more successful uh, things in the past that I've done, which is, uh, you know, speaking into being. Yeah, I didn't do that with this, and maybe maybe it's my fault. Maybe I should take the blame. I need to um, I need to reach out to the football gods, speak it into the ether, and make sure that this happens. I mean, there's hey, that kid doesn't appear to be coming, but there are other kids. Let's find them. Let's round them up. Let's go. If it is to be believed, um, blow by blow, that you know all indications were. That he was coming to Tallahassee, which I do again. You know, you're going to run that article, and that's the byline. That's the name on the byline, Ira. Then I'm, yeah, I'm going to buy that. Um, well, then that would mean to me, indirectly speaking, of course, that a group like Rising Spear is prepared to aggressively pursue okay, so, someone who wants to come here and could make an immediate impact. So that's a good thing. Okay, so this is the other side of that. If there is any sort of silver lining, which today for most people there is not. Uh, 
it does appear, judging by what took place there, this did not end up being NIL-oriented. Most of the time, we have feared that we're behind the eight ball, that we lack the ability to put into place the wheels of motion in order to bring in players based around the new recruiting landscape in the world of college football, both for recruits in general coming out of high school and potential transfer portal, portal players. Uh, if there's one thing to feel better about, it's that I do think we have our ducks in a row on that realm, in that realm. I do believe that we are in a, a position to be able to act rather quickly when opportunities present themselves. Now, you have to be very careful about how this is worded. Again, it may be the wild, wild west, but in theory, the NCAA could rise up and decide in a moment that they have a backbone and that they're going to enforce some of these rules in the wild, wild west, if you will, play the role of sheriff. I doubt it. But I'm guessing that universities and coaches and the like would like to to be the test case. And they would prefer that we continue to couch things or operate in such a way where we do not open ourselves up to the potential for real problems. I find it amazing, though, that I can say that all the while knowing Miami was furious that he didn't bother to take a visit down there, and their most public supporter went online to tell everybody how upset he was that they didn't get to make their offer. (laughs) So we're kind of kidding ourselves if we think that this isn't happening everywhere, which it is. But how you talk about it, how you word it, how you phrase it in particular is important because there are rules that you can't have inducements, even though you better have inducements. Oh, can't yeah. have them, but you better have them. That's right. You, you better should. have them in order because if you're thinking you're going to get somebody, you can't eliminate those possibilities by not having that in order presented ready to roll. Well, that's like if you're going home and uh, it's Thanksgiving and you've got a few job offers on the table, yeah. right? And you're still in college. You're coming out of college, but you've got a few job offers. Your peer, maybe you know, you've got a brother or a sister who's a year or two apart from you, says, oh, how much do they offer? And you could say, all right, well, here's what company A, B, and C offered. The person who's been through it, not your peer, like your dad or your your aunt, they're like, well, what's the benefits package? They know the right question mm-hmm. because it's about the total benefit package beyond just the salary. Yes. And that's where I agree with you. We need to have a benefits package around here. Maybe we just call it that. It's not necessarily inducement. Of course, it's never inducement. What it's am I saying? It's never inducement, Tom. But we have, allowed a, for. we have a robust benefits package here that we could offer you. So extremely competitive. I just I guess my point to make in this moment is that there was a time where we did not believe Florida State could position themselves on that front, the new landscape of recruiting I'm calling it. Could not put themselves in a position to win if it came down to that. I no longer think that's the case. I think Florida State is in a position to act if need be for players who are interested in that sort of thing. With a competitive benefits package. A very competitive benefits package. So this set of, uh, this, this turn of events, however frustrating as they might be, in my estimation, from what I understand of the situation, was not directly related to NIL. And that's important. That is important to know. 
It's important to know because there will be other kids, lots of them, many of whom I hope we have competitive benefit packages ready to showcase. Right? I mean, Maybe we can put the pamphlet back in business. Per our discussion at the end of last week. That's right. Here you go. Please see Might I interest you in a brochure? In a brochure. Of what yep. might be possible. The brochure. That's the better word. The yeah. Yeah. Let's hope. It's Jeff Cambridge, so 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I'm Hey, we got to start promoting this, Tom, because it's two weeks away. We'll be celebrating with all of you at the draft party that is an annual occurrence as we roll on over to Bumpas and do it up and have a good time and partake in the celebration that is rounds one and two of the draft, all that good stuff. It's one of my favorite events of the year, but, I mean, it's got company now because there's a golf tournament, the bowling tournament's back. I mean, you know, post-COVID. Post-COVID hiatus, we can congregate together. And then there's also the listener party, which also got scrapped for a year, but we brought it back last fall. So there are just so many events that I really enjoy. And this is uh, at the top of the list, though. It's a great night. It's a weird uh, – it's kind of a weird draft because there's room for – and there always is, but especially I think this year, room for a lot of speculation and movement. I think you have potential for a number of trades given the amount of teams that have multiple first-round picks – so there are, you know, you have that many assets, you can, you can maneuver. If you take a team like the Kansas City Chiefs towards the end of the first round, that is a team that has an abundance of picks in the first two rounds. And they desperately, obviously, probably want to move up, I would think, to get one of these wide receivers, Garrett Wilson or somebody like that. And you've got to project how quickly do all the big-name receivers come off the board. Um obviously given that they have to replace uh, replace Tyreek Hill. So do they move up and do they make a play and where do how quickly do these receivers go? Uh, there is a thought that uh, the top three receivers in this draft could be off the board before you get to, to 14 or 15, uh, which would strike me as odd, but Olave projects top 15. Uh, Wilson, the other Ohio State kid, projects top 15. Uh, there are a lot of receivers that people have pegged somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to to twelve to to thirteen or whatever. So do do they do they feel the need to come on up? Probably so. Well, then that impacts the rest of the draft. Uh, it's not a quarterback rich draft. So do guys decide if that's what they need? Do they just trade down? And of course, there is the que- and accumulate picks. If you're a bad team towards the top of this draft and you don't believe in any of these guys then why not trade down and try to acquire picks? Chances are, if you have an upper-crust pick, it's because you're not a good football team and you lost a lot of games, which means you have a lot of needs. So do they trade down? Uh, that leads room for a lot of other people to move up, and we always love to see when that happens. Uh, and then there's the question, obviously, and we'll all be watching very closely, of what happens to Jermaine Johnson, a kid, speaking of which, a uh, transfer portal kid from Georgia that we did get and who made a huge difference for Florida State, uh, obviously, as he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. I'm happy for that kid for a lot of reasons, not only because he came in here and balled, but because he's done all the right things since arriving in Tallahassee. He has put himself in a position to elevate stock in a way uh, that really a lot of folks now believe could have him in the top 15 as well, speaking of top 15 picks. So wishing Jermaine Johnson well. It's also good for Florida State if he goes that high. Uh, because that's a kid that even though it was a very brief period in time that he was here, A, had a huge impact on the field, B, speaks so highly of this staff, this university, this program, 
and the community. So that's good. That's good news for us moving down the line. And he speaks highly of himself. He's unafraid, talking about how he believes he's the best edge rusher, edge player in the draft because he can do it as well against the run, yeah. down in and down out, as he does getting after the passer. And there's evidence to, to point to that, that he's a very complete player. What's interesting is I read a little bit of Peter King's uh, Monday morning you know, column, and he cited a bunch of scouts and GMs in the business who were saying that this could be the first draft. Could be, maybe not, but could be the first draft in which no playmakers are drafted in the first 10. Nobody who touches the football will be drafted in the top 10 because you could see a run on edge players and offensive tackles that eats up seven or eight of the picks. And then after that, if you've got an interior defensive lineman or something along those lines, another guard, you might not have a receiver, running back, or quarterback taken in the top 10, which I could see that. Yeah, I listen, there are a lot of tackles in this draft, a lot of defensive ends in this draft, uh, and so everybody's kind of got their, their thoughts about where those guys go. If you don't love the quarterbacks, they'll fall. If they fall, though, Tom, what I think is fascinating is that middle crust, that part of the draft where you're talking about the, the, meat, the, the, the sandwich, right, the middle, not a lot of those teams want a quarterback. So now all of a sudden you're going way down the list. But if this goes, you know, if this goes Hutchinson early as a defensive end or Thibodeau, so you got two defensive ends towards the top, depends on which one the Jacksonville Jaguars or whomever likes better. Um, you know, Trevon Walker is another guy from Georgia, speaking of defensive ends from Georgia, uh, that is a top five, top seven type player. Um, you've got corners. A lot of people like Sauce Gardner. We've talked about that. Um, but you're just talking about skill position. Derek Stingley's another good player. We'll see where he ends up going. But, yeah, I mean, off, you know, Evan Neal, offensive lineman. If you're, if you're not going to take a, a quarterback, uh, you could also – who's the kid from uh, Purdue, the defensive end whose name is uh, Khalifas or whatever his name is? He, he, he escapes me. That kid is, is the NC State tackle, who I don't like at all. Uh, uh, Jermaine got some good film on him. Well, I don't, I don't get the love for this guy. I know he's 6'4", 330, whatever he is. I, every time I watched him, he, he got beat by the better ends in this conference. I thought both Keir and Jermaine made some yes. money on that kid. Yeah. 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 Uh, but a lot of people have him projected very high. Obviously, I like the Ohio State receivers an awful lot, and you know, if if, if Florida State, listen to me, if the Bucks were in position, well, that's another thing that the scouts were saying is that it, this might not have the um, the sex appeal of so many drafts because of the superstar offensive players that would go. I mean, for sure, in the top three, sure, it just doesn't have that. But a lot of scouts are saying that this is one of the deepest drafts in history because of prolonged careers due to COVID. You get an extra year, and a lot of kids decided to stay to fortify their their position or, or better their position. So according to a lot of people who are dialed in for a living as NFL scouts or GMs or whatever, front office people, the middle rounds are as good as they've been. Day two is a critical day because you can find difference makers on that day in a way that you would not in a typical draft year. I'm going to be paying very close attention because there's an outside chance just because of what happened in the national championship game that Jamison Williams is dancing around late first round. And if he is and the Bucks are in a position, yeah, man, because I think of a superstar playmaker for years to come when I see that kid. He's got size. He's quick. He's also fast. He catches contested footballs. He's got a big wingspan. I mean, some people have him dropping to late twenties. This is a ACL tear in the national championship game. This is a junkies draft. 
though. This is not yeah, this is yeah, not yeah, the yeah, casual yeah. football fans draft. Like if you love the game of college football and you've got some interest in the NFL, you like this draft. If you're all about trench play, you love this draft. You love this draft. Yeah. Yeah. But if if you like, you know, four two forties and the size to go with it that demand that you must be taken in the top five, this is not your draft. If you like quarterbacks, this is not your draft. I wonder who's gonna take Pickett. It, it, it's a fun draft, though. I think it's a fun draft because I think there's going to be a lot of manipulation. I think a lot of movement on draft day, and we always yes. love trades. We love trades. We love teams being aggressive, moving way up to get their guy. I think you'll see some picks that people will go, well, that was he wasn't projected to go anywhere near here. It doesn't matter. It takes one team to decide, well, he's my favorite corner in the draft. I'm moving on up to get him because he's not going to be here at 19 or 20, so there you go. It's one of my favorite things here in this town, too, because there is still an NFL contingent in Tallahassee oh, that doesn't really care that much about college football. So it, it's fun to watch people go, who? You know, you're like, oh, how do you not know? How he do you plays, know? He's, yeah, he's power five football. How yeah. do you not know that? But this is uh, this is one of those years where I think you're going to be hearing NFL fans say who a lot more. Who? Who's that guy? That's a good get. Good job. But you watch them at Bumpas. They all interact. They're like, no, you did great. He's, I, we did? Yes. Yes, you yeah. did very well. Yeah. I don't know Traylon Bur- Burks. You should. Big kid at Arkansas. 6'3". Crazy big. Think Anquan Bolden. Thanks. Let's get a beer. Yeah, Tell me more. It. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. couple things. First, uh, also, I didn't get a chance at the opener there when we were announcing and thanking everybody for their participation in the event, uh, the Jeff Cameron Show War Chant Invitational. Uh, meant to say thank you to the players that came out. We had uh, five players, four players come out and, uh, and say, hey, that was great. Good to see Amari Gaynor, Jared Verse, Big Coop, all those guys come out. Uh, that, w- that was fun. And uh, those guys even swung the club a little bit. So They that, did. That was yeah. fun, too. Coop had a nice shot. He did. And I, then, You could tell he was stunned. I forget who it was. They hit a one-hopper to the group in front of them on the carts, and there was a nice play made. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was those three, Keyshawn Helton, all made the rounds, and it was really cool to see them out there. And that's where I say, good, I'm glad we live in an NIL world because that was, I do believe, Rising Spears' Garnet program because we are at charity golf tournaments, a charity event. Yeah, it was Rising Spears' uh, Garnet uh, division, if you will. And uh, they came out at the charity event and uh, and volunteered their time and really kind of went group to group to group, take pictures, hit shots, have some fun. Uh, I know they did, so I wanted to thank them. And that was a lot of fun. So, good. I, I, I overlooked that early on. As an aside, this is a short segment. I'm convinced that no matter how hard I root for him, he will never win when in contention if I care. And I'm talking about Harold Barner. I can't, I can't do it anymore. It's driving me nuts, man. I desperately want that. He's such an affable dude. He seems like imminently likable. Well, He's funny. He's self-deprecating. Uh, I love the gear. I love everything. I mean, he's the only guy on tour with the gear. And I know you don't even have to be a fan of Jordan. I just like their golf gear. And he's the only one who wears it that I'm aware of. He uh, was summoning all the powers from the Blood Money Invitational in Saudi where he holed out on the 72nd to win. From 60 feet away or whatever that was. He was using that confidence clearly on the 18th at Harbortown because that putt was very, very close to Well, you saw Lowry gave him the pat on the shoulder like, man, that's Mm -hmm. a a hell of a run at it. Yes. And I love Lowry. Either one of those two. Like, one of you two win this thing. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Jordan's comment was not intentionally funny, but it was. I won this tournament without a putter. Like, yeah. That's funny. 
That that actually Yeah, he made a huge putt on eighteen though, and he made some putts when he had to. If he had more bravado about him, that mm-hmm. would be something I'd be like, All right, all right, I like you. He won last year on Easter. It's not Easter. enough for me to like him though. He won last year on Easter, he wins this year on Easter, next year's Easter tournament is Sunday at Augusta. Yep. Amanda couldn't wait to tell him that, even though she botched it. She yeah. did botch it, but she can botch anything she wants. She's a great hire, an amazingly talented human being. They don't show enough of Amanda being the pro's pro that she is. We deserve more looks at Amanda's professionalism from tournament to tournament. I just want you to know that. Were you proud of Patrick Cantlay for just brushing off being absolutely screwed? Yeah, because that's all you can do, and golf was golf at the worst possible time for him. I mean, just absolutely fried egg. I'm like, look at this poor bastard. Of all the things... And no, he had no shot. You could hear Fowler going, well, uh, good good luck. And 25 feet yeah. would be <laughs> glorious. I mean, that was insane. When you saw that, he had to walk over that. There are and, different kinds of fried eggs, too. And yeah. that one, you're like, oh, man. There's no getting that close. But that's an awful miss because multiple players had already left it short. Including and so you know Jordan. the wind is stronger. And 30 feet long is way better than 12 feet short. Well, if you don't get a bad lie there, he'll stick that close the way that Jordan did because they're all so good out of the sand. He just got a lie that's that's a toughie. That's a, you know he and his caddy came over the hill and went, okay, all right. Well, Jordan, congratulations. Uh, there you go. Jordan handled that well, too. He's, Patrick got a bad break. He knows. I hate it for you. Yes. <laughs> As a, a good have- friend of ours, yeah, yes, you do. Would uh, would often say at uh, the original tiki bar at the uh, old Gordo's location. I hate it for you. Yeah. Perhaps there were dice being rolled. Yeah, I don't know. What a shame that is. What a shame. What I, a shame. I just hate it for it you. It looked like it was right there on a three, and then it just kind of rolled one last time, and I, instead that's a six. That's a that's a bad break. It's a bad break. It's terrible. Or you had four threes there, but one fell off the table. Mm, Got to pick them all up. That's a toughie. That's a toughie indeed. I played in a uh, in a match once with a mutual friend of ours, and uh, it was played as it lies. And through six holes, he was in three footprints in a bunker. And it's just, I'm like, I, I feel so bad. I don't know what to do. Hated for you. Florida State's baseball team has proven once and for all that A, baseball is baseball. I say it on the show all the time. And B, Jekyll and Hyde exists as it pertains to Florida State baseball. They are at times, capable of looking like the pits of the world, and at other times, they look like a team that could pitch their way to a national championship. It is that extreme, and this past week lays it all bare. You are in the crosshairs of fans across this fan base. You rise up, shut out, dominate the University of Florida, turn right around and sweep a top-10 Louisville team and really pretty much dominate the weekend. I know it got dicey there in the third game, but still you dropped 10 on them, overcame a 3 to nothing deficit early, did something you haven't done on Sundays all year long, which is show up and dominate and win 10-9, and now that's a sweep. And so what do we think? I don't know. Corey asked that question on Warchant.com, but I don't know the answer to that. I think they're capable of looking really bad, as we've seen. But as we said early on in the year, they're also capable of looking very, very good. They have a lot of arms to throw at the problem. If they pick up the baseball even a little bit and they cut down on strikeouts, they're a bear to have to play. 
This weekend, they cut way down on strikeouts. They picked up the baseball, and they were able to overcome in spots some poor pitching. Yeah, on Saturday, starting the ninth. Can we stop that now? That would be my, my one request. It's a humble request. Well, now, Scalaro picked up a big I've out. I've been requesting it for some time. Now. As uh, Gary Cohen of the Mets said, king-sized out in the eighth. But um, after seeing what Carson can do, I know that he wants to be a starter, but after seeing what he can do in the ninth, I think that's how he helps this baseball team. There's your guy who misses bats in the ninth inning. There is your, there's your closer. It's kind of interesting. They've got a, a good problem in a weird way. Uh, and, and a lot of choices. It's good to know that you have a lot of choices. Hour number two, fourth coming. Uh, reminder, Irish Chappelle will join us in that hour. Stay tuned. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.